Corks and Forks podcast is a production of CorksandForksStudios.com. Head over to CorksandForksStudios.com for show notes, our blog, recipes, and wine guides. In today's episode, we're going to be introducing ourselves, discussing what we hope to accomplish with this podcast, and giving you our survival guide to Napa Valley. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. My name is Preston, and with me is my wife, Caitlin. Hello. Caitlin, tell people what they can expect from Corks and Forks. We decided to start this podcast because we're definitely no experts. Uh, We have loved wine and food for many years. We've recently taken some really amazing wine trips, and we just want to share our experiences and our knowledge with you guys and hope that we can find people that feel the same way. Awesome. So a lot of the trips that we've taken recently, we've been to Italy. We recently returned from our honeymoon over in Napa Valley. Uh, And every single time we take a trip, we pull a lot of information uh, from the local winemakers, the local regions, and quite frankly, people that know more about wine than us. Um, It's not only about wine. We also uh, enjoy all types of of craft beers and and specialty cocktails and food. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, we definitely love to expand our knowledge, and that's kind of one of the reasons why we take these trips, is because just when you think you know everything there is to know about a certain wine or region or country, you travel somewhere else, and the rules are completely different, and that's why we what we love. There's constantly something else to learn, and it's also great because wine is so completely subjective. Um you know, one person's taste can greatly vary from another's. And we'll be talking about that later on in our podcast. Yes. So for the first episode, uh, just because it's fresh on our mind, we wanted to kind of put our survival guide for Napa Valley um, on track. So uh, I guess we'll start off with the beginning of our honeymoon. We actually started off in San Francisco. Um, One thing I noticed about San Francisco is it's extremely expensive. Um, Everything from the wine, the food, parking um everything is is really really expensive um so i would definitely check out happy hours and try to find deals where you can uh, i also noticed that they have some excellent craft beers um in san francisco so that was one thing we actually stopped by anchor brewing company um really really cool brewery tour if you ever get a chance to check it out um definitely a lot of history and things with that brewery in general um Caitlin, what were some of your highlights from san francisco before we get into napa Uh, I would definitely have to agree with Preston. Anger Brewing was the highlight of my San Francisco trip. They just tell you that since Prohibition, they were the first beer company to make IPAs, to to start making steam beers again, and there's just so so much history behind it. You just kind of appreciate the beer so much more once they tell you all that stories, all the stories. Uh, Another really awesome thing about... San Francisco is there's a lot of foodies there and they have some amazing restaurants some with cool concepts some we didn't like so much but it was definitely worth the experience um for example we did a dining in the dark at a restaurant called opaque so basically it's pitch dark you don't know what you're eating it's a complete surprise and you have to try and guess what what you're eating um the experience itself was 
very cool overall, but just for the value, it's much more expensive than you'd probably think. Uh, and the food quality was not as good as we had hoped, so that was a little bit of a dis- disappointment, but just a great experience in San Francisco itself. Yeah, I would recommend if you want to try it out, just put a blindfold on and have a trusted friend feed you some stuff. Yeah. Um, that's probably equivalent about the experience that we got. Uh, and again, it was certainly cool to check out, but um, I wouldn't really recommend it for someone visiting the city uh, with so much other stuff to do. So um, after a few days in San Francisco, we actually went up to Napa Valley, which is where obviously the heart of our uh, honeymoon was. So we explored some very, very interesting wineries, met some very interesting characters. Um, Caitlin, what was, I guess, one of your highlights from Napa? Oh, it's so hard to choose. As soon as we got there, we instantly felt like it could be home. We were already looking at houses within minutes. And I don't know if we've mentioned this already, but we're from Orlando, Florida. So although some of the weather can be similar, just the climate is completely different. The surroundings, the views, it's just a completely different atmosphere. And we fell in love. And we went to several wineries. My favorite, possibly, was Castello di Amorosa, which was basically a castle that was built in the 90s by an owner of another winery, which I'm sure we'll tell you about. Um, He was growing grapes for his first winery, and they turned out to be such good grapes that he decided to start a completely new winery and use these grapes for this winery. So... In the 90s, he decided to build this medieval-style castle, and he imported all of the materials from Italy and France and basically all over Europe and paid $46 million just for the material alone, and just the whole property is amazing. There's 107 rooms. What is it, 130,000 square feet? I think it's 140,000 square feet. Yeah, over 117 acres. And the really cool thing is that I think they only used, what did he say, close to 30-something acres for the vines. Yeah. Just so because they don't deem all the soil re- like good worthy. enough. Yeah, worthy for the wines that they produce. And it's definitely reflected in the price of the wines. It's not your your typical your Wednesday drinker. night. Yeah. <laughs> Although for some some people in Napa Valley it would be, but um, not for people over here in Florida. So. Yeah. Well, and that was another thing that I, I noticed. One of the first things I noticed about California was I'm familiar with a lot of California wines and even some of the wineries that we visited. Um, some really popular wineries like Robert Mondavi and things like that, um, which I mean are I, I don't want to say most famous for, but certainly whenever I think of it, the most notable is their. Uh, lesser expensive varietals. I mean, they're they're fifteen dollars a bottle, pretty much anywhere you look, um, at most. Uh, but whenever I was there, they were like, "Yeah, Robert Mondavi does produce a lot of wine." Um, but in Napa Valley, out of all of the production of California, Napa Valley is only about three point five percent of the production of California. So the Napa Valley region and wine specifically from there are incredibly expensive and they're so niche in that area and that's why um the the castle that we visited was so selective of where they were because if you produce a wine in napa valley in the actual valley it needs to to kind of stand up to meet that incredibly high price point um or else people are just going to deem it not worthy and ignore it yeah that's another thing that i found really cool is that Almost every winery we went to, besides Robert Mondavi, their wines that they make there at the vineyards are 
exclusively sold at the vineyard at the winery and you cannot order them online you cannot order them in stores you will not see them at a restaurant and so basically you have to be there to get the wine or else you can join the wine club every but, every place had a wine club yeah that was pretty unusual for me i never really i knew there was wine clubs out there but i didn't know every single winery right. pretty much we thought there it. was maybe one or two big wine clubs but other than that we didn't know the, how yeah. popular it really was. but I, I think that's how a lot of these wineries kind of, I don't want to say stay afloat, but that's how they make so much money is that they get these week or these monthly subscriptions or sometimes it's four shipments a year. So um, these quarterly shipments that basically you spend maybe anywhere from 100 to $250 a quarter getting four or five bottles of wine sent to your house directly. Um, super convenient. Also super expensive, uh, but again, if you like a really specific winery, like we walked out of a couple wineries with three or four bottles that we just couldn't couldn't live without, um, and I could definitely see joining a wine club if it's a winery that we're like, man, these guys consistently produce wines that we really, really enjoy. One of those wineries was V. Satui, uh, if I'm saying that correctly. So V. Satui was a winery that got suggested to us. Um, not only for their wines, but also because they had an extensive uh, market there. Uh, cheeses, meats, just all a uh, beautiful garden to kind of eat at. And after trying some of the wines, we just were blown away. And I think that was by far, they by far had the best wines and also at the most reasonable prices. It was still more expensive than our standards. I mean, the cheapest bottle was probably 35 bucks, sure. but... And which we normally get for, you know, maybe a nice steak dinner. But uh, for sure, for the experience and just how high quality the wines were, the price was definitely worth it. Yeah. So, yeah, it just every everything that they did was worth a visit. Um, and oddly enough, Visa Tui is actually the same owner that started the uh, Castillo di Amorosa. Yep. That's how, what I mentioned before is that he was... Had a winery. It was doing so good. He planted the grapes for Visa Tui, and it turns out they were so high quality, he decided to just completely create a whole new winery, and it definitely worked out because they're some of the two top wineries in Napa Valley. Yeah, and one of the uh, most unique things about Napa that I found out was that there's more microclimates in Napa Valley than there is in the country of France. Um, which is why whenever he was planting these other grapes that he wanted to kind of send to Visatui, um, he noticed that certain varietals grew much better there. Sangiovese, Cabernet Sauvignon grew much, much better there than they did over in the Visatui vineyards, which was, I guess, more Merlot, more um, Cabernet Franc, just a few other varietals. And he said that the really, really heavy um, Italian grapes grew very well over in his other plot of land, and so he decided to kind of start that European Italian um, Tuscan blend uh, that the the Castle Winery is known for. Yeah, and the reason why I mean these wineries weren't super far apart. I mean they were basically along the same stretch of road, but California has I think it's close to twenty different AVA districts yeah I, well i know that napa has or that's what i meant napa, Na- napa has 16 different avas which is yeah, close to that yeah which is all different kind of climates different uh terroir different soils different elevations 
Um, and because of the rapid changes in elevation, I mean, the temperature changes so rapidly in Napa. We would wake up with a sweater on and it would be 45 degrees and by noon it was 75. Um, so it was definitely one of the most radical uh, climate change areas that I've been in. Do you remember what AVA stands for? I don't. <laughs> I remember. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's American Viticulture Area. Yeah, what? That's. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Don't don't don't, don't uh, quote us. Yeah, don't quote us. But something like that. Yeah, and, and I remember the name of some of the AVAs. I know that the Diamond Mountain District is yeah. where the. Uh, that's the, where the castle was, and that's where the, that's where the best Cabernet Sauvignon grapes grow in the entire world, yeah. and that's why he decided just to take that plot of land and plant the cab grapes over there because it is the ideal climate and even even the french people who've come over italians said this is the perfect climate for the cabernet grapes so it was pretty good (laughs) yeah it was um as far as uh other wineries definitely one that you should check out but i would recommend either having a designated driver for or going in on a full stomach is uh, del dodo um the dodo winery was absolutely amazing um, the price points were, were pretty high. They were definitely the most expensive winery that, that we saw. Um, very impressive facility, uh, very great tour, but um, the, the cost of the tour was actually um, pretty high. Yeah, it, it was, but honestly, that was probably where we got the most wine. I mean, we've tr- we tried probably close to 10 wines and he gave us a pretty good pour for each one of those. He did. That, that was not not for the faint of heart. I mean, if you're <laughs> going there, you almost need a designated driver because it was uh, hefty. Yeah, and that was also the first time we had seen them use a what he called a wine thief, which is basically a long uh, glass almost tube. Fun- yeah glass funnel that you can. We drink all of the wine straight out of the barrels, and he would just pop open the little rubber plug and get the wine straight out of the barrel and it was pretty cool i've seen the 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 wine thieves used um just in other areas and watching uh wine shows on tv and things like that and when we were in italy i saw them use it to to kind of pull out samples of wine but i've never seen them do a tasting from the barrel like that and the wine thief was certainly a cool tool to use um then you kind of use it throughout the tour and yeah every single one that we had uh, was aged properly, but um, not quite ready for the bottle, and it was uh, delicious. Yeah, I kind of liked it, actually, because, I mean, it's cool to not see the finished product, because I, I could honestly tell, I can tell my palate's changing, because I could tell that it was delicious, but it also was not ready, and that yeah. was also, that was just a really cool thing for me to experience Experience. i mean maybe it's just a mental thing where he's like oh this is we'll be ready in a year and i'm like oh yeah this is definitely ready." (laughs) but i mean i don't know well and for the record caitlin does have a much better palate than i do um he's just saying no she pulls out yeah (laughs) she does she'll pull out things that that i cannot taste in wine and it's amazing to me when people can smell a wine and take a sip and say oh man this is wet soil or this is um, old rubber or something, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. This tastes like uh, delicious wine. Um, so I, my palate is developing a little bit more. Um, I've definitely been trying to, to smell more things and uh, try to develop kind of an inventory of reference points whenever I'm tasting wines. Don't sell yourself short. There's been a couple times where you came up with some really, really creative things and hit the nail on the head. So Well, thank you. I, I, I do my best. Again, we're we're both novices but it's just something that we really love and enjoy so we keep 
trying to improve at. Yes. So that covered, I think, some of the main wineries that we wanted to go over. Um, also, Robert Mondavi, I know we kind of brought it up earlier, but definitely check out their tour. I know it's a large winery, and a lot of people might uh, want to try to stray away from it just because uh, the, the popular name, and they might want to see the smaller wineries. Check out their tour. It is absolutely amazing. They have one of the most impressive facilities. Um, I mean, just from the, the equipment that they use and the sheer size of it, um, not to mention, I mean, their the views from their winery is just oh, absolutely stunning. Definitely some of the best views in the entire valley. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so definitely check out Robert Mondavi. And not only that, the tour is pretty cheap. I think it's like 15 bucks or so. Um, and they were the only winery. This was not uh, $15. It was 50 It was $50? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. All right. I booked the whole trip, it was, so he doesn't really know how much anything costs. It was our honeymoon, so. Yeah. But anyways, even for $50... Uh, they did, we're the only winery that, uh, provided actual food. I mean, a lot of them will give you like breadsticks as a palate cleanser or something like that. Um, oh, yeah. but they provided a full charcuterie and cheese plate. I mean, it was really, really good. It was good cheese and paired well with the wines. And then it was kind of almost like an open bar at the end of it. It was, uh, he was like, well, I have six open bottles up here. Come and take what you want. <laughs> and they did not serve the cheap bottles either. There was a couple bottles that were close to $100 and yeah. I'm pretty clo- I'm pretty sure there was nothing under 30 bucks there. So, you're not getting the stimpy grocery store wines. It's truly truly their reserves and their premium wines and stuff that they only sell locally or don't distribute very far. Yes. So um, that basically covered the wineries that we wanted to go over. Um, Let's talk about downtown Napa a little bit. Oh, our favorite spot ever. Yeah, downtown Napa is, uh, it's a cool area. I mean, we have areas that are similar to it. Um, that but just don't w- quite capture the charm. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like Winter Park or anything like that in Orlando, um, but it's similar. But I don't I don't want to say better because I'm sure that people from Napa come down here and like oh, that's pretty nice. It's just it has a certain charm to it that we can't really capture here in Florida. It was really cool because everything there looks so new, so uh, nicely done, and just clean and neat and. We actually went on a ghost tour of downtown Napa, and they told us about the history of all the buildings, and it turns out Napa was actually founded in the 1800s, and some of the buildings were actually built pretty close to then. So although they've been redone a little bit due to earthquakes and other... And hauntings. Yeah. (laughs) Hauntings. And other uh, acts of nature, but... um, it was really cool to hear the history behind everything as well. I, even though everything still looks so nice and new, they really kept up with the town. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely impressive. I mean, I, it looked like it was built in the earlier, late 2000s, and to hear it was over 100 years old. And it was cool because they would show a lot of the buildings, and they're like, you know, this building was here in uh, 1850. And I'm like, that's, that's insane. And it's sitting right next to a four-star hotel and a swanky bar and stuff like that. Yeah, the other thing I really liked about it was there was such a good choice of food and restaurants, and there weren't any chains besides the Starbucks, because, you know, every everybody's got to have a Starbucks. But yeah. there was also an awesome Napa Valley Coffee Roasters there, um, which we went to a couple times for coffee. Oh, it was really good. Delicious. What did, what did um, you keep on ordering? Oh, the Mudslide, which yeah. is not an alcoholic drink. Thank you very much. That's probably is, the only thing that we drank there. That well, that's actually alcohol. why I asked. I was like, is this an alcoholic drink? And then they're like, oh, it's a caramel caramel latte or something i was like oh fine i'll have that <laughs> but it was actually very good very sweet but very good but um 
Yeah, there was uh, Morimoto, which is a Michelin star restaurant. We actually had reservations there, but um, ended up not going. We tried Aiko's, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's a another Japanese restaurant in the area, and we were craving it the night before our reservations. So we're like, oh, let's go check it out. We'll still go to Morimoto if we are if if we still want it. And this place was awesome. It was really good. We it- just got a random assortment of foods because we weren't really in the mood for anything big we got some spicy edamame a bowl of fried rice um by the way edamame and spicy edamame are free with the yelp check-in yes so, so if you're ever there double check your yelp or create an account when you sit down i did <laughs> that's why i created an account is because i was checking the reviews on yelp and it's like oh if you create an account and check in you get free edamame and the guy didn't even check to be honest with you he just kind of brought it yeah and then we got some sushi we got some um sh- spicy shrimp oh it was delicious. It was really, really good. That was probably one of my favorite meals in Napa, to be honest. That was definitely up there. For me, it was probably melted, which was... Oh, come on. Th- this place was ridiculous. Honestly, it looks like it's a catering company. It says catering um, when you pull it up on Yelp, but they do have a little place to eat inside, and they have little tables outside. Um, but it is ridiculous. It's basically all assorted types of grilled cheese, but instead of bread, they use very thin waffles. So think of like a waffle cone. Yeah, but it's not sweet. It's not sweet. It's savory and it's super good. And oh man, the food there was just ridiculous. Well, not- I would have to say that I am a grilled cheese expert. This is one thing that I will okay. toot my own horn on. A grilled cheese sommelier. <laughs> <laughs> and it was good, but it was certainly not the best grilled cheese I've ever. I can make a better grilled cheese. It was a cool. Damn. It was a cool concept because the whole waffle thing, but. I don't know. You it, could make a better grilled cheese. Yes. You do make some good grilled cheese. All I'm saying is finding, I think our meal was about seven bucks. Um, well, per person. But in Napa, even in downtown Napa, that's a hell of a deal. Yeah. I mean, we've sat down for breakfast and lunch and spent 40, 50 bucks, which really hurt me. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is one thing. I mean, I prepared for all the major expenses of the trip the hotels, the car rental, the balloon ride, the massages. Oh, no, you just spoiled the hot air balloon ride. Oh, shoot. Whoops. Um,. <laughs> But the one thing that I didn't really factor in was how expensive food was going to be. I guarantee you, we did. Besides our three stops to In and Out, which is totally worth it, and yeah. I totally understand what everybody, have, everybody. What? Yeah. Everybody on the West Coast knows that In and Out is like a staple. We don't have that on the East Coast. No. So we were like, yeah, let's stop by In and Out. Let's see what all the hype's about. And then we went oh, back three so times. Good. But, anyways, other than that, we did not have a single meal under $40, which is basically unheard of like even if we go out to eat here in orlando and we don't drink we can get a meal for 30 bucks for two people but Easily. we could not i mean even at breakfast we spent 40 dollars sometimes and that was that was hurting and you know when we went to italy and france like the wines that you buy over here for 70 80 dollars a bottle would be 10 dollars over there so we kind of assumed that that that's how it was going to be we thought we would get the cheap napa wines over here but we didn't find a single glass under $14. Same thing with cocktails. Beers actually were cheap, but we didn't find this out until the end of the trip because oh. we were we were in wine country. We wanted we wanted wine. We didn't want beer. But then once we started checking the the pocketbook, that's when we were like maybe we'll <laughs> stick to beer. And honestly, I was so glad we did. Um, during it was the last day of our honeymoon, and I was uh, kind of campaigning to stop by not a crappy dive bar. 
but I was hoping it was a crappy dive bar. Uh, and it totally was. It was a great, great stop. Um, it was Napa Smith Brewing Company. It was not crappy at all. It was nice, but it was dead. There was no one in there. It was dead, but it was super nice. They had a huge facility. It was probably the only brew, like local brewery that we saw around Napa. Yeah, and I mean, you walk in and it's your your classic uh, classic bar. I mean, they had a nice shuffleboard table, a couple dartboards, a pinball machine. Um, we, we were all of about, uh, there was three people in there total. Uh, we were two of them. So that's the type of bar I was hoping for. And they mentioned that it picks up in the night a little bit more. We were there around 4 o'clock, and I think it was, what, on a Friday? No, that was our last day, so it was a Monday. A Monday. All right, so Monday at 4. It's understandable that it wasn't busy. But it, the beers there were incredibly tasty. They were ridiculously cheap. I don't they know were. if the bartender hooked us up, but we got about five beers, and our tab was $14. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was... I was very sad that we did not discover that place at the beginning of the trip. It was a great stop. It was super fun. It was super cheap. And the beers were incredibly good. Yes. So, if you are planning on going to Napa, definitely account for the price of food and drinks because that made up a good majority of the trip and we did not think it would. We're not used to that kind of expense, especially for breakfast and lunch. I mean, for dinners, we're perfectly fine paying 80 to 100 dollars for a dinner but if it's a good dinner <laughs> yeah but then for lunch to spend 70 80 dollars and breakfast is just running us 40 bucks like it was nuts and it, believe me whenever i looked at it oh, there was actually this was kind of kicking back to san francisco <laughs> um i wanted a breakfast sandwich and i finally found one uh, towards the end of the honeymoon but i wanted one i was craving one since the start of the honeymoon so when we were in san francisco um i went to a local cafe and uh, they had breakfast sandwiches there, but they looked pretty gross. It looked like uh, Jimmy Dean microwave croissant sausage type of thing. And I was like, yeah, give me one of those breakfast sandwiches that looks gross but excellent. And uh, it was $9. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not I'm not all about that. Let's give me a plain bagel for $4. So it was... I really hope none of our listeners are from California and thinking that we're crazy for complaining about this. Or some of our listeners are in California and they're like, oh my God, thank you for noticing that our prices are out of control. <laughs> True, it could go either way. Yeah. But um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, closing statements, Napa, incredible, incredible um, place to visit. It was a great honeymoon. Um, definitely check out Napa Smith. We did a hot air balloon ride. Maybe we'll get into that on, a, on another podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but the trip overall, big success. Honestly, two of my favorite stops were beer-related. Um, <laughs> and it was funny, whenever we were walking into Napa Smith, they had a big uh, sign and a bunch of shirts that said, Welcome to Napa, this is beer country, instead of wine country, which I thought was funny, but man, they couldn't have been more right. <laughs> yeah, I agree. They had some very good beer. We got a six-pack to go and ordered a pizza on our last night, so it was the perfect way to top off. Uh, yeah. We just feel nice and gross for the flight home. <laughs> hey, we just laid in bed and chilled and watched TV, and it was perfect. It was perfect. So, if anybody is thinking about the trip, I highly recommend it. Definitely one of my favorite trips I've ever been on. I don't know if it was a circumstance or who I was with, but for sure it was the most amazing trip in my life. Thanks, babe. Well, and uh, if you guys want to check out some of the wineries and uh, places that we ate at, feel free to go on to our website, uh, corksandforksstudios.com. 
Uh, we'll be working on getting that up to date. We've been slowly adding things to it as we got back from the honeymoon. Yes. Um, if you have any suggestions or recommendations for our podcast or our website, feel free to email us. The email address is info at corksandforkstudios.com. And I uh, hope to uh, hear from you guys soon. Yes. Also, feel free to follow us on Instagram at Corks and Forks Studios. Uh, we post pictures of, you know, wine recommendations we have, even some wines we don't recommend. Just anything we try, we'll put on there. Um, food we make, you know, if you're interested in the recipe, email us. And we're definitely going to be posting lots of pictures from our trip to Napa. So follow us on there for that. Yep. And we'll see you for the next episode. We would also like to thank Ronald Jenkins for providing the intro and outro music for Corks and Forks. And I uh, hope to see you next time.